November 8, 1932 began as any other day, but it ended as a day like no other. Nearly 23 million Americans had given Franklin Delano Roosevelt and his Democratic Party one of America's biggest landslides, ending over 70 years of Republican Party rule. Ronald Wilson Reagan was one of them. One long-ago vote, cast in a time of crisis by a young man voting for his first time, might not matter. Reagan did much more than cast a vote. He was a devotee of FDR, impressing friends and casual acquaintances alike with his passion for the 32nd president. The young Reagan was always talking about politics, to the point where an early girlfriend from Des Moines broke up with him, in part because of his incessant pro-New Deal prattle. Early Hollywood friends and co-workers report that Reagan would easily fill the boring hours on a movie set between takes with political commentary and argument, all from a pro-FDR perspective. The man many label as the 20th century's most conservative president was more than a casual backer of FDR. Nor did Reagan's devotion to liberalism cease with FDR's death in 1945. Immediately after World War II, Reagan, whose movie career had gone on hiatus while he spent the war in active service as a member of the Army Reserves, ramped up his political involvement. No longer content simply to talk, he began to act, joining many liberal causes such as the World Federalists, Americans for Democratic Action, and the American Veterans Committee. He was so articulate and active that he was even asked to run for Congress in 1946 as a Democrat. He was also considered by Democratic Party leaders for a congressional bid in 1952. They decided against wooing him because he was considered too liberal. Reagan's active liberalism continued for many years, even after he had encountered and successfully fought the Communist Party's attempt to infiltrate the Hollywood film industry. He campaigned for the Democratic nominee Harry Truman in 1948 against the Republican Tom Dewey and the leftist progressive candidate Henry Wallace. He backed the Democrat in California's 1950 U.S. Senate race, Congresswoman Helen Gahagan Douglas, even as she was accused by the Republican nominee, Congressman Richard Nixon, of being the pink lady who surreptitiously backed communist aims. Reagan continued to argue on behalf of New Deal and Democratic policies even into the mid-1950s, when he was a Democrat for Eisenhower and became a paid spokesman for the behemoth corporation General Electric. What Reagan called his hemophiliac liberal phase lasted well over two decades and was an increasingly important part of his life during that time. Most observers and Reagan analysts pass over this period of his life when trying to understand how Reagan rose to prominence and power. These men and women assume that the essence of Reagan's philosophy changed in the 1950s as he moved from advocating more government action to pushing for less they credit his rhetorical power, his pragmatism in governing, his determination, and his luck in explaining how he went from an actor in decline to the most important political figure of the late 20th century. All these views have their merits, and all are to some extent correct. But all are inadequate to explain both how Reagan rose and what Reagan did. They are inadequate because they fail to take Reagan seriously as a thinker. These writers presume they know what Reagan believed after his political evolution and conservative rebirth. They know he was no different from Barry Goldwater and a host of other unsuccessful conservatives who called for a repudiation of FDR's New Deal. In their hearts, they know he was right, far right. This view presumes they understand Reagan better than he understood himself, 
From the beginning to the end of his conservative career, Reagan always said that he did not leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left him. His political views remained, in his eyes, the same even as he changed his mind about such important things as the value of big business and the virtues of government. If we take him at face value, and we have no reason not to, we must conclude one of two things when evaluating his later success. Either all his Republican friends and allies who opposed Roosevelt and his New Deal throughout their lives, and lost politically for decades, were simply less gifted politicians than he, or Reagan's conservatism was different in some important way that allowed him to succeed where they had failed. I started my studies as one of those who thought I knew Reagan's thought, that he was as anti-government as I had been told. Years of carefully reading his speeches and writings, however, have convinced me I was wrong.